we're soon going to face the greatest attack on the Word of God. When they come out with the AI Bible, then they're going to try and expunge everything that they can about the Bible, the true Word of God. And one of the reasons they're going to do it is because they don't understand it. And God has perfected his word and put it in such a way that the world will never know what it means, but those who love God will know what it means. Now, that's quite an amazing thing indeed. And as we will see, this is a spiritual operation. So it comes from God the Father, Jesus Christ. Okay? Everything in the Bible hinges around and around and around everything concerning God and what he's doing on the earth. But he has written it in such a way that those who do not want to love and obey him can't understand it. But those who do love and obey him will understand it. And God has also made it very simple for people to start to understand. That's called the Ten Commandments. I don't think there is a language in the whole world that the Ten Commandments are not simply there to be simply understood for what God has said. And this is given to us so that we can have, as Steve pointed out, love toward neighbor, love toward God, and love toward brethren. Okay? That's what it has to be. Okay? Now, how did God do that? How did God write the Bible in such a way that it's hidden from their eyes and understanding? Okay. And how does he do it so that we can understand? And as we know, it doesn't come all at once. Okay. So, last time we gave eight things in order to understand the Bible. But first of all, there's God the Father and Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, let's come to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, because this becomes very important. Okay? According as it is written, okay, the eye has not seen. Now, there are a lot of things we can't see. <laughs> Okay. Nor the ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now you take this one verse and that tells an awful lot. Do you think God is going to give any understanding to anyone who hates him? Who doesn't believe him? No. Okay. 
Verse 10 shows the difference. It is an act of God. See? Now, sometimes it starts out very simply like with the Ten Commandments. And one thing I recommend to those who are just new, study through the book of Proverbs verse by verse a couple of times all the way through and read each verse and think about each verse because that will show you right and wrong and good and evil and correct attitude, wrong attitude, uh, what wickedness is and all of the things that are associated with what God wants us to know. Those are easy to understand. A person can read the book of Proverbs and understand that just by reading it and believing it. Okay? But verse 10, God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. So it takes the Spirit of God that comes from God. Now, it comes to us in two forms. Number one, when we begin to search out and find out who God is, and we begin to get interested in the Bible, and we realize we need God, then God sends his Spirit to be with us. Now, if we follow through and come to repentance and baptism and hands laying on, as Steve pointed out in his message for the receiving of the Holy Spirit, then we have the Holy Spirit within us. And it unites with the spirit of man, which we're going to read about here in a second. Okay. And this is a spiritual parallel to being begotten in the womb of your mother by your father. Okay? Because God the Father is our father, and the ultimate goal is that he wants us in his kingdom as his children. Now that's something that the world does not know. They may allude to it, but they don't comprehend it, okay? But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, there are some things that are very deep indeed. There are some things in the Bible that we don't understand today. Hopefully, we'll understand as we go down the road with all the things that are to take place. Okay? So then, verse 11, For who among men understands the things of man except by the spirit of man which is in him? So God gave us a unique spirit called the spirit of man. This gives us thought. This gives us intelligence. This gives us choice. This gives us emotions, this gives us feelings, and all of the things associated with being human beings. The spirit in man. But the spirit in man is not complete. 
Now men are able to do a lot of things. They can invent, they can make, they can build. Look at all the things that they have. Look at what we're using right now with just the digital means of, of live video sent out to wherever anyone in the world wants to listen to it. Okay. Now, that knowledge had to be revealed by God to someone because God wants it in the end time. But also, you have the situation that there's another spirit, which is Satan the devil. And that spirit is called the prince of the power of the air. And he is the one who blinds the minds of those who don't believe. Because you see, when something comes along and you don't believe the word of God, bang! It's like a shutter has been put before your eyes you can't understand. Okay? So then he says, In the same way also the things of God, no one understands except by the Spirit of God. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God which Jesus said has been given to us to know. But to the world, they don't know. They have a lot of ideas and a lot of satanic things mixed in with it. But what do they really know? Okay. Now notice this. Verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world. And that spirit comes from whom? Satan, the devil. Okay. And different people have varying degrees of the spirit of the world. Some are just in the world and they don't know anything, but they follow along with some of the things of God and they're decent in what the world would call find uh, obedient people, but they know nothing about God. Okay. Then you have those who are given over to all kinds of sins like we have today with the sexualization of the world, beginning with the children, and things become more and more evil and go down into the, to the depths and pit of the sins of Satan. But the spirit that is of God and that spirit only comes with repentance and baptism and laying on of hands so that you have the spirit of God united with your spirit of man within you so that you are the begotten children of God. And then through prayer and study and through obedience, then we begin to understand the word of God. But all of those things are necessary. Okay? Now, the Spirit of God, for what? So that we might know. He wants us to know the things graciously given to us by God. Okay? Now, here's the other side of the coin of that, too. 
Okay. Verse 11. Which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom. There's a lot of philosophy out there, and philosophy was the religion of the ancient world. Okay. But in words taught by the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's the active working of the Holy Spirit in your mind. Now, have you ever gone along and you're reading and you're studying and all of a sudden it's like a light, bing, comes on, and you say, oh, that's it? Okay. Well, God is the one who's revealing it to you. Okay. And that happens as continually as we grow and overcome. Okay. Now, he gives it in order to communicate spiritual things by spiritual means. Just not being, just not having the ability to read, but having the ability to understand spiritual things. Okay. And the carnal mind, that is the mind without the Spirit of God, does not understand it. Now, I'll give you a good example of understanding something to a certain degree, but not understanding it into action of belief. Because, see, belief or faith always has works. Whatever you believe, you also follow and do. Okay? Those are works. And as Jesus said, we are judged. He doesn't say, I judge you by your faith. No. You're judged by your works. Because true faith produces works. And everyone everywhere has works. From the depths of Satan to the closeness of God that anyone can be. By choice of free moral agency. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay? So that's something. Understanding the Bible is a spiritual miracle from God to each one of us. And to the degree that we love God and keep his commandments, we'll grow in grace and knowledge. So let me just go quickly through the eight things that are necessary to understand the Bible. Because when we come back, we're going to answer questions that even geologists cannot figure out. That even experts cannot figure out. Because God has written the Bible in such a way, as we covered last time, that it's here a little, there a little, line upon line, 
precept upon precept, and that works two ways. Without the Spirit of God, you don't understand any of it. With the Spirit of God, he can make you know his knowledge. See? So that's something. See? Now, I don't know if it is because we get older, and none of us are getting any younger, including myself, okay? But the more you know about the Word of God, the more you know how much you don't know. See? Now think on that. And generally the people who are know-it-alls in their own mind, <laughs> they don't know anything. Okay? So here we go. Number one, you must believe and have faith unto action. Number two, you must believe the truth of the Bible. Why? Because there's one true God who is the God of truth who can not lie. On the other side of that coin is what? Satan the devil who is what? The father of lies. Okay? Number three. What you read that you must do, you must obey. And that is a key. When you have the personal thought and conviction of mind and actions by your own works to obey, then God can give you more understanding. That's at a point where a lot of people miss they don't go far enough. Number four, you have to love God. How are we to love God? With all our heart, mind, and soul, and being. See? Now, the world likes to come and claim God's love. Oh, God's love is unconditional, and you can do anything you want to, and God still loves you. Huh. Why is there the lake of fire for those to be thrown in it if God's love is unconditional? See? But they don't have the wit to read that part of the Bible. Okay? So you have to love God with all your heart and mind and soul and being. Number five, you need the grace of God, which covers a lot of things. First of all, it's forgiveness of sin. Next of all, it's beginning to understand the Word of God by the grace of God. And the most important part of grace is prayer and study every day. That you, when you get on your knees and pray to God, you have direct connection with God the Father in heaven above. See? And that's what's important. The world can't understand it. And Christianity in this world, 
I saw a whole series done on, on Facebook about mega churches destroy Christianity. That's true. They destroy it. Okay. Number six. Sabbath and holy days. Very important. Because through the Sabbath, Passover, and holy days, God lays out his plan. Number seven is the timing of when the events will take place. And so when God takes part of the timing over here, and part of the timing over here, and another aspect of the timing over here, and another aspect of the timing over here, then all of them must be put together properly. Number seven is timing. Number eight is rightly dividing the word of God, or that is straightly cutting the word of God. Okay, so with that review, we'll go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back and we will answer the question, how old is the earth? Now, we can't give it to you in years, but we can give it to you in sequence of events. But not all of those events are found in chronological order. But when properly put together, they follow in a chronological sequence. So that's what it means to rightly divide or straightly cut the word of God. So we'll take a break. Be back in 20. All right, now let's continue on. We'll answer the first question for today. How old is the earth? Well, we can't tell you exactly, and we can give you some events. So how old it may be, I will just ring the cowbell because we that'll cover anything that we have to guess on. But anyway, the Bible does tell us much to the chagrin of the scientists, because they won't read it or believe it. Now, Genesis 1.1, all right? So let's start there at the very beginning, okay? In the beginning, God. So you have God, all right? Beginning, it doesn't tell us what beginning now, put in your notes, Titus 1, 2, and 2 Timothy 1, 9. Because it says, before the ages of time. That means that eternity existed before God brought the time the way that we can understand it somewhat today. Okay? 
Now, we'll tie that together with some other verses, but let's look at it here. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens. Full stop. Okay. Then it says, and the earth. But how long a span of time was it after he created the heavens before he created the earth? And what did he create between that span of time? The Bible tells us. Let's come to the book of Job, Job 38. Okay. Job 38, because we have in the beginning, God, okay, created the heavens. Now, what did he create after the heavens, but before he created the earth? Now, let's read it. Now, Job, we can get a great lesson from Job. Job did everything that God said he should do, but he gave himself all the credit and not to God, though he did acknowledge God. Okay? And he got so wrapped up in himself, so wrapped up in how righteous he was, that he thought he was as righteous as God or more than God, and he wanted to have a judge come and referee the argument of Job in arguing with God, to justify Job that he was right. And his three friends couldn't do it. So Job said, oh, I wish God would talk to me. Well, Job, you got what you wish for. Job 38. Now imagine this. Here's Job sitting there full of pus, scabs, ashes, flies, pain, his three friends sitting out there. And then Job gets God's answer. Verse 1, Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Have you ever said things without knowledge? <laughs> yes. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will demand of you, and you shall answer me. You want an answer from me? I'll give it to you. And you answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Now wait a minute. God created the heaven and the earth. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, declared if you have understanding? Same thing with all of these scientists today. How can you tell how old anything really is? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, declared if you have understanding? Who has determined its measurements, if you know? Or who has stretched out the line upon it? On what are the foundations 
fastened to or who laid its cornerstone. Now that's something. Now notice verse 7. Because verse 7 answered the question, what did God create after he created the heavens? And before he created the earth. This answers the question. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, when? When he laid the foundation of the earth. So what does this tell us? Between creating the heavens and then creating the earth, he created all the angels. Okay? And they've shouted for joy and they were all happy. Why? Because God put them on the earth as their habitation when he first made the earth. How do we know? We know from the rebellion of Lucifer, which says, and you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. So God created the angels after he made the heavens and before he made the earth, because when he made the earth, then all the sons of God and the angels were shouting for joy because God was going to give it to them. Okay. Now, how do we know they were on the earth? Isaiah 14 tells us that Lucifer, when he rebelled, what did he do? He ascended above the clouds, were the clouds covering the earth, to be like the Most High. So, question becomes, how long were the angels on the earth before the rebellion took place? We don't know. Could be millions of years. They were spirit beings. Okay. But when they rebelled, there was war. Now, how do we know that? We have to come clear to the book of Revelation. So here we are, Genesis on the one hand and Revelation on the other hand with the book of Job in the middle. Okay. Revelation 12. Now, Revelation 12 is quite a chapter and one of the most difficult to understand if you don't understand the Sabbath and holy days and about Jesus Christ and the plan of God. Okay? So let's pick it up in verse 1. Then there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and having the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Okay. What is this? This is the portrayal of God's plan. As pictured by a woman. Okay. Now notice Verse 2, how much time a space do we have? And this is what's tricky, because this prophecy goes through, starts at one point, 
And then it comes to another point, which is, and being with child. So this brings us down to who? It goes from the woman in heaven to the person of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. So all that time and space between, okay? However, was this the cause when this prophecy was brought out of the angels to rebel and go against God? Because now it was revealed to them that God is going to create man and woman and they will serve them so man and woman can become the children of God, okay? Because it says before the ages of time, Titus the first chapter, that God promised eternal life and God cannot lie, okay? So this had to be a revelation which the angels didn't like. One-third of the angels, okay? So, Verse 3, and another sign was seen in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. The rebellion took place before the creation of man, right? And it took place after the creation of the earth. Okay? Now, you don't know that unless you put those scriptures together. Okay? Now then, it comes forward down to the birth of Christ. Okay? And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to deliver so that he might devour her child when she gave birth. And of course, right from the start, what? Satan was after Christ. Okay. And she gave birth to a child who was to shepherd all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up uh, to God and his throne. So here we have in this, in these two verses, explanation of Mary, the birth of Christ, his death and resurrection. All right there with these verses. Okay. Now, the woman then becomes the church. Okay. Why? Because we are all the begotten children of God. See? Not yet born. Okay. Then the woman escaped into the wilderness, etc. Okay. We'll finish that prophecy off a little later. All right? So, let's come back to Genesis, the first chapter, and put this together so we understand something very important. Now, verse 1 again. In the beginning, God, stop. Okay? Right there. Revelation 12. That's the woman. God's plan. Okay? Created the heavens. First thing he created. Then he had to create the angels because they saw the foundation of the earth laid. Okay? And then God created the earth. And this is why we find 
some of the things that we find in geological accounts today about dinosaurs and about the age of the earth. We'll talk about that in just a bit here. Okay. Now, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. When God created it, it was perfect. How did it come, become without form and void? Okay, and that could also be translated became, meaning that it was after the fact of it being created, it became without form and void. And we find in Jeremiah the 8th chapter that war created in the Hebrew, tohu and bohu, without form and void. So this is the war that was in heaven, which then caused God to have to flood the world. So what we read of in verse 2 is the first flood. Okay? And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, how long was it in that condition? We don't know. How old was the earth at that point? We don't know. Were the angels righteous for what we would consider millions of years before they rebelled? We don't know. Okay. But being able to measure the speed of light, men are able to determine how far away some of the stars in heaven are, okay? And they're billions of light years. And that explains why there's eternity, because it's out there beyond a measurable thing that men can do. Okay, so then God started creating the world for man and woman. Okay, now then, let's talk a little bit about something else here, and I'll ring the bell once again. They find in different locations of the world mass burials of dinosaurs. Two places in America in particular. Number one, in Nebraska. There's whole herd. You can look it up on the Science Channel. Okay? And look that up under volcanoes. Because the biggest volcano in America is lying under Yellowstone National Park. And it blew up at one time and formed what is a caldera. And a caldera is a ring of mountains that were formed when lava came up out of that ring on the edges and the middle of the of the volcano stayed intact. So this volcanic action took place. 
one of the biggest explosions ever. And then when it calmed down, the land came down back where it was, sunk a little deeper behind the ring of mountains. So that's a caldera. And below Yellowstone today, only 1,500 feet, there is all of the lava working, 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 working. And they say if it goes off, it's going to affect the whole United States. Okay. Okay. Now, picture Wyoming. Then you have just down at the corner of it, Nebraska. And in Nebraska, they find this whole herd of dinosaur. And even to this day, with food that was in their stomach. They find Mastodon up in the northern climes the same way. Is this because of the destruction that happened when the angels rebelled? There had to be a lot of destruction in that war. You know, they weren't using squirt guns. (laughs) Who knows all the weapons that they had? Look at what Satan has inspired with the nuclear age with man today. And with what they want to do, they want to have the ray weapon, which can send out electronic power to destroy anything on contact. Okay. What do you suppose the angels had in in their battle? And so God just had to literally destroy the whole earth, the whole surface of the earth, kill all the dinosaurs. And they find them also in South Dakota, same thing. Two different things, though. The ones in Nebraska were covered with volcanic ash. The ones in South Dakota were covered with mud that through the years became hard stone. Okay? So, how old in their measuring of these things is it? They don't know. One of the reasons is, in volcanic ash, there's very little carbon. So you can get no carbon dating. Okay? In the stone, you can get some carbon dating, but how do they know that that's correct? They don't know. But these over here, in Nebraska, are supposed to be 50,000 years ago. And over here in South Dakota, 150,000 years ago. Yeah. Well, whatever. Even up to a million. But. 50 million at 150 million. Well, maybe 50 million, 150 million. That, it, it, tells, it tells you what? They don't know. Because what they measure is measuring from what we are able to do today, but is it accurate going back to that point? We don't know. So the answer to the question is this. For those who say that the heavens and the earth and everything were created 
in seven days, they do not account for when the angels were created. Okay. And the only place we can find that is in Ezekiel 28. You were perfect in the day that you were created. Doesn't tell us when. But we know that they were happy and obedient when God laid the foundation of the world for them to live on. Okay. And then when they were there, they rebelled. So there was this great war and God had to flood the world cool it all down, destroy everything that Satan and the angels rebelled against. And we don't know how long it was in that condition before he began to recreate the surface of the earth for human beings. Okay? So, when you look at those things and you go on the Science Channel and you look up under volcanoes, and you can probably find out a lot about that, okay? Now then, let's answer some other questions, okay? As we are living in the time of the end in Matthew 24, 12, the love of people uh, has grown cold, and many bad things are beginning to happen in the, in the church. Yes, it's happened in the church too, right? So here this group, this group here says, that they want to associate with us, and so we'll have to see. We now have six independent churches that associate with us. Okay. Next one. Here it is. Here's a question. Although Adam and Eve, being the first man and woman to sin and die, will they be in the first resurrection? Well, that's an interesting question, but it's one we can't answer. Why? Because we don't know if they repented unto salvation or not. Okay. But the sacrifice of Christ will apply to them if they're in the second resurrection because the prophecy here, since we're in Genesis, okay, Genesis 3 and verse 15, the prophecy of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, was given to them in Genesis 3 and verse 15. Okay? So, yes, the sacrifice of Christ can apply to them, but God is the one who has to determine it how and when it will or was applied. Okay? So here's another one from a man who keeps the Sabbath alone and... What he does from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday is he prays and he studies, and he's all alone, and he prays and he studies, okay? So a friend of his died and was wondering, would it be all right to attend his funeral? Well, it probably would be okay to, to pay respect to it. So that would not be a sin, Okay. Here's another question. Revelation 12 and verse 17. Let's read that. That requires a whole sermon, but we'll just give you a little summary. Revelation 12 and verse 17. Revelation 12 also tells us 
that in the end time, there's going to be another war in heaven. Okay, let's read it. Let's pick it up here, verse 7. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels warred against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels warred. Now, we don't know how fantastic that is going to be, but you think about what men are doing now to try and get out into space, and we don't know exactly how all of this is going to work out, that there's going to be a time when Satan and The demons will try to come back and take over heaven again, but they'll be cast down. Okay? Verse 8, They did not prevail, neither was their place found in heaven anymore. And the great dragon was cast out, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who is deceiving the whole world, was cast down to the earth, and the angels, his angels, were cast down with him. So that war is going to come. How is that going to appear? How large will that be? Okay. But know this. Know this. This generation is being prepared for invasion from outer space, right? By aliens. See? Now, think of this. To the world... Who are the two chief aliens? God the Father and Christ, right? Okay. Who are the other aliens? The righteous angels. Okay. Who are the other aliens besides that? Satan and the devil. And they will be cast down from heaven when they try and war again. Okay. Now, Let's read on. Verse 13. When the dragon saw that he was cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. That's the church. So there's coming a time when a church is really going to be persecuted. And look at it today. This whole thing of idolatry of AI and coming AI Bible and the coming beast power is going to say he is God. And all of that is coming. These are going to be powerful events that will take place. Okay. And then there's going to be something to take place. The Protestants call it the rapture. But the Bible shows it's taking a few physical people to a place of safety. We don't know how many. And we don't know who they will be. Because God is going to make the choices who's going to be there. Now, why is God going to have some go to a place of safety, a few? Now, you write in for the messages we have on rapture, the hoax of the rapture. Who will they be? They will be faithful brethren who have been faithful in the spite of everything that goes on. And how are they going to get there? Luke 17, the angels are going to take them there. Okay? Now, one man who was a minister of the Church of God thought he would go over to Jordan and he would buy Petra from the king of Jordan. 
he was laughed at and chased away. Okay? And a lot of people think, well, the minister's going to call you and tell you, well, hey, you better be ready because the angels are going to take you to a place of safety. But what if the minister didn't like you and wouldn't call you? And you died in the slaughter. And you're resurrected and you say, Lord, I thought I was going to go to a place of safety. Well, I thought you were too, but the minister's phone call didn't get to you. So therefore, you had to be martyred. Thank you, Lord, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Not going to be that way. And even one minister said, well, I'm going to supervise the two witnesses. Are you God? Okay. So what happens? They will be taught into the wilderness, verse 14, where uh, it is nourished for a time, times and half a time from the face of the serpent. That's three and a half years. Okay. And the serpent cast out water out of his mouth as a river that it, it might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Look at how much power Satan has. And did you know there's vast amounts of water under the area of Petra? Vast amounts of water. Okay. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon cast out of his mouth. Then the dragon was furious with the woman and went, make, went to make more with the rest of her seed. Now, to answer your question, the King James says remnant. That's incorrect. It means the rest. What is the difference? Remnant means a small amount, indicating that the greatest majority were taken off in a rapture as the Protestants view it, see? No. God is going to select who's going to go there. Why is he going to have physical human beings in a place of safety? Some. Just a few. Because all the rest of the Christians known will be martyred. And if they are all martyred, what would that represent? The church would die out. And Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of the grave shall not prevail against it. So this is to keep his word that the church, the physical church of people would never die out. But notice, okay, and went to make war with the rest of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay? That ties in with Revelation 5 and the martyrdom of the saints. Now, because the only remnant left alive will be in a place of safety, what is the next thing that takes place? When it comes time,
for the 144,000 and great innumerable multitude. Revelation 7. Okay. So the question is, who are the remnant? Well, God alone knows, and he alone will decide. And the angels will take them to wherever they're going to go. Okay, question. Are there any principles in the Bible that allude to the prohibition of plastic surgery, facelift, Botox, etc.? Would these be part of the procedures fall under the principle behind prohibition of tattoos? Okay, now then, let's look at it this way. Two things I want to cover. Number one, have you heard about the operation of Happy Smile? That's an operation. I think that's the name of it. I might not have it correct, so... If any of you remember the correct name, let me know, okay? Where doctors go in, and it's particularly evident in Southeast Asia. Now, it may be some kind of curse. It may be some kind of bacteria. It may be some some kind of thing that they eat. And in that area, they eat, some, they eat quite a bit of snakes. So I don't know if it's connected with that. I have no idea. But children are born with a cleft palate. Okay? So these doctors who are surgeons come in and they repair the cleft palate. That is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? All right? Then you have facelift. Well, when you get old, your face sags. That's just the way that it happened. Now, if you can keep your skin in decent shape and take care of your health, you might not need a facelift. But you can always tell those who have had facelifts because they end up like Nancy Pelosi. She has had so many facelifts that her shoulders are almost on top of her head. (laughs) Okay. So, all right, Botox. Botox could be a dangerous thing to get into your system. Okay. Don't do it. Take care of yourself. Now, at my age, I exercise five to six days a week. And sometimes after the Sabbath, I go down and and get on the stationary bike so I can keep the circulation going in my legs because that's an important thing you need to do as you get older. Keep your legs moving because the vessels down there can get all clogged up and cause you a lot of problems. So you've got to keep the blood going, okay? So whatever you need to do, you need to do. Now, let me bring out another example. When Dolores and I first came up to Eugene, Oregon, when after we were married, shortly after we were married, and I was ministerial assistant with Dale Hampton, okay? There was a man 
who, when Raymond Cole was up there, was working on his truck, and he was trying to fix his carburetor, and gas was leaking everywhere, and bang, caught fire, burned his face. Okay? Now, if they would have taken him to the hospital, they would have peeled off the skin and do skin graft. But they didn't take him to the hospital. He was anointed. And what did they do? They got lots of red wine by the gallons and olive oil. And they poured the wine over his head and face three or four times a day and let it sit there and soak. And then they had olive oil to put on afterwards. And over the space of a month and a half, his whole face healed without a scar. Okay? And we saw him and talked to him, so we know it was true. Okay? So you look at some of these combat soldiers with these horrible skin grafts that they have had to restore their faces, and it's a shame. Okay, now skin grafts are, uh, you have to be careful with it. If you have a cut someplace and you need skin and it can't grow, you might need it. So you'll just have to take it at that, okay? Okay, let's come to Jude 4. The question is, what is meant the second time? Okay, Jude 4. Now, it's referring to the children of Israel and their rebellion. Okay. Now, it's not recorded for us, except when we come to Joshua, the fifth chapter. In Joshua, the fifth chapter, it is recorded that before the Passover, three days before the Passover, actually four days on the 10th month, 10th, 10th day of the first month, they had circumcision for all of the ones born during the exodus that were not circumcised. Okay? So we know there were two circumcisions, but it doesn't tell us of the circumcision when they were in Egypt. All right, so let's come here. Verse 4. For certain men have stealthily crept in, those who long ago have been written about. That's why he says, be diligent, verse 3, to hold fast to the faith that was once delivered. Okay? Written about, condemning them to this judgment. They are ungodly men who are perverting the grace of our God. And if you want to see that, you go to Daystar and you go to TBN and you go to any of the Sunday uh, keeping ministers and you find that's what they are doing. And especially this one woman, I forget her name. But anyway, she prances around and says that you can do anything you want to because God loves you. If All you have to do is believe in Jesus. And after that, it doesn't matter what you do. Joyce, I think her name is. Is that it? Huh? Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer, that's it. Okay. 
Number one, she shouldn't be preaching. And when they do that and are personally denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, but I want you to, to remind you, though you once understood this, that the Lord, after saving the people out of the land of Egypt, the second time destroyed those who did not believe. That is saying, referring to the second generation. When they rebelled, what did he do? Okay, you have to understand what happened. God brought them over close to going in into the promised land, and they send out 12 spies, right, to check it out. Came back, 10 of the spies said, oh, we can't do that. They're too, the, the people are so strong and tall and high walls. We can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, trust in the Lord. He'll take care of it. Okay. So what happened? God said, all right, I've had it with you. You have done and rebelled against me 10 times in the wilderness. Everyone over 20 is going to die in the wilderness. And you are going to be out there 38 more years, making a total of 40 years. Okay? So that's what it means. Okay? That generation, it, it, was, it was all that God could put up with. So what happened the next morning? Good thing here. Tells you what. When you repent, you better repent and not go back on it. Okay? Because then they said the next morning, oh, we'll go up and fight. God already made the judgment. You are going to wander for 40 years. You're not going to go up and fight. And Moses told him, if you're going to go up and fight, you're going to lose. So they went up and fought. And what happened? God slaughtered a lot of them, and they came back licking their wounds. Moral of the story is, don't go against the word of God. Okay? So that's what it's re referring to here. Okay. The second time destroyed those who did not believe. Okay. They didn't believe God. He said he would take care of them. Question here is in Daniel 12, what is the difference between the 1290 and 1335? We do not know. God hasn't told us. However, if you get the series on Daniel and Revelation, and you get the, the full big chart that we have, you will see the difference between the 1290 and the 1335. One possible, so let me ring the cowbell again. One possible answer would be that those who are taken to a place of safety represent the 1,235 days. I don't know. So we'll just have to wait and see. We really don't know. Okay. Now, here's another question. How long is the actual period of the day of the Lord at the final stages uh, of the final seven years? 
while we know the first seven uh, of the seven years, the first three and a half are peace and safety. Then when the king of the south comes against the king of the north, king of the north comes down and he goes into Jerusalem and then goes in the temple and says he's God. That's when the tribulation begins. Okay. Now, some are saying that the tribulation lasts for two and a half years and then the the day of the Lord. Well, the day of the Lord can include the whole three and a half years. It can include just the last year. Okay. It can also include something other than the return of Christ when it refers to the day of the Lord against Jerusalem when he destroyed it in 536 B.C. and in 70 A.D. as well. See? And a lot of the disciples in 70 A.D., when the temple was being, you know, when it was destroyed, they thought Jesus is going to come. Because not one stone was left upon another stone, as Jesus said, right? But what was missing? What did not take place at that time in 70 A.D.? There was no abomination of desolation. That's why we know from Revelation 11 that a temple must be built. Because the tribulation can't start until there is the temple rebuilt. And the Jews are just really aching to build it. But God has totally blinded the Orthodox rabbis so that they don't understand where the temple should be, because if they knew where to build it, they would build it a long time ago. They're still trying to build it uh, where the Mosque of Omar is. But they'll never do that. The Muslims will come in and wipe out the Jews with just a greatest slaughter that would ever be. So that won't happen. Here's another question. What about Malachi 4 about the coming of Elijah? Okay. Well, we'll just summarize it this way. Number one, first Elijah was the one that's recorded with his ministry in the book of Kings and Chronicles. Okay. Number two, Jesus said that John the Baptist was Elijah to come for that generation. But Malachi 4 says that Elijah is to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Who will that be? We don't know. But he will come. Okay. Let's see if we can finish it up. Just bear with me for a couple of minutes here. Okay. Zechariah 5 We'll have to tackle that at a later time. There are a lot of things. Zechariah, let me tell you this. Zechariah has a good deal of prophecy in it, which affect us today. But there are a lot of things we can't understand. See? So that will require a, another study on that. Okay. 144,000 great innumerable multitude are those who receive the mark of the beast and repent. We're not told. 
The only thing we are told is that they repent. Okay? Just say this. There's a question about sacred names. Let's understand this. What language was the New Testament preserved in and God caused to be written in that language? Greek. Anyone who takes the names of God from the Old Testament and puts them in the New Testament is going against the Word of God. Because if he wanted it in Hebrew, he would have put it there. So now we go directly to the Father in Christ in prayer. When God poured out the Holy Spirit in Acts, the second chapter, what happened? All of them with their different languages, what? They heard them speak the things of God in their own language. Right? Okay. In addition to that, who created all of the languages at the Tower of Babel? God did. So whatever the name of God is, in whatever language, that's the, the word you should use. See? And the word Father is almost recognizable in every language. Father, Pater, and in other in languages, Mama, Papa, that's almost universal in every language, right? Okay. So, you're not being righteous by taking sacred names from the Old Testament and superimposing them upon the New Testament. God didn't want that. And here's one more. When the earth is shaken out of its position, Isaiah 13, 13, when it's shaken out of position, okay, Question is, is God going to restore it to a 12-month year of 360 days? We don't know. Whatever it is, God is going to restore it to what it needs to be. Okay? Same thing with the sundial going back 10 degrees. Well, God can make that happen and adjust for it in another way and clear it up. So he could make that happen in the daytime. Then at night, when everybody's asleep, he puts it back where it needs to be. So the next morning, everything's back on schedule. See? Okay, that takes care of all the questions. Thanks for sending them in. And it shows you're studying your Bibles. Stay close to God. Amen.